Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another wonderful world in the world of rugby league. And once again, I'm joined by my host with the most, a man who is taking the COVID outbreak in Sydney and the lockdown so seriously, he is now limiting household visitors to his house to 30 or 40 people a day. Gee. Yeah, only, only as long as one of them comes around every five minutes for compassionate reasons, I'm good to go. Compassionate reasons. What are some of those compassionate reasons that you're hosting people, 40 or so people in your house every day? People are dropping off food. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a foodie. I love it. You're, the cat's got to be well looked after too. She gets hungry. The cat has the run of the house. She does. Here she goes. Hey, there she is. Hey, last week, some of G's, we had audio issues with G because the cat accidentally paused him and muted him at inappropriate times. That was deliberate, quite deliberate. So Yeah, the cat's had enough. Look, another massive, massive week in the world of rugby league. As, a, as usual, we'll start off with the news. Shall we start with the player movements before we get into the relocations and all that yeah, sort of stuff? Yeah, may as well, yeah. Yeah, Payne Haas, 10 years for $10 million signing with the Broncos. What do you think of that contract? Better than Tormalolo because I think Payne Haas suits the rules a bit better because he's a lot more mobile. There is that element. I mean, a, a contract for 10 years is always risky. But, I mean, you can say there's injury risk. But I actually think when you look at his attitude and his desire and the way he trains and look, looks after himself, he's worthwhile. Absolutely. I think the Tom Ololo contract, different personalities. I think Payne Haas... Oh, yeah, he's got the right attitude. He's the right person you'd give that contract to. And, you know, injuries happen, things happen to players. You can't avoid that. But if I was going to give someone a contract to, it'd probably be someone like Payne Haas. Whereas Tuomalolo wouldn't be chasing anyone down at the 80th minute. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to remember, Payne Haas will be on a million dollars at the end of this contract when he's like 31. Yeah, from a props perspective, T, that's not too bad. And if you really think he is pretty much in the top two or three props in the game, why not lock him up for eight to 10 years? He's one of the few players, I think, that is that professional that you'd sign him long term? Ten is a, is long, but you know what? Pl- teams let players go all the time. So is it really a ten year contract, or do they, you know, hedge their bets and say we've locked him up for ten years and we can let him go after six if he's crap or whatever? That that's a good point. If that's the case, if it's a rugby league contract, and I've got no reason to believe it wouldn't be. <laughs> yes. It's it's probably not a bad signing. I think ten years, the back end of this year deal will be a bad one is my sense of it, um, if he stays for the whole 10 years. I mean, it's hard, hard yards to be at the top of your game as a prop for 10 years back to it back. It is. It is. You're right. Good point. It's a it's a physical... Physical role. And he's playing 80 minutes, right? So he's going to feel that at the back end of his career. Yes, he is. And, you know, but I suppose they're willing to take that risk to lock him down and, you know, have him as a cornerstone of their, their pack for the next decade. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, time will tell. So the other signings involve your Bulldogs, which is uh, Matt Dufty for a one-year contract to the Bulldogs, and Will Hoppawati going to St. Helens for two years. Just on Matt Dufty, I think that rules out Josh Adokar playing fullback for you guys, and Brett Naden playing fullback, and Jason Hetherington playing fullback. <laughs> and Terry, Terry fullback. Lamb coming back for fullback. You know, Trent Barrett <laughs> playing fullback. Actually, a shock of a signing. I wouldn't have thought that we would have gone after Matt Dufty. If Trent Barrett can use... He's going to have some weapons next year, so we're going to see if he's able to coach. Oh, yeah, the back line looks, is looking good. Well, it's looking fast as well. You've got Burton, Adokar, and Matt Dufty, and Naden. It's a good back line. It's a good back line. So we're going to find out if he can really coach some attacking football. But to be honest, a surprise signing. I wouldn't have thought that they would have signed Dufty, but maybe they got him cheap. And for a one-year deal, it's probably worth it. Well, I think it's a chance for him to prove that he's an NRL fullback. My worry is the Bulldogs, I don't think Trent Barrett can coach defensively. And so who's going to fix up Mac, Matt Dufty's defensive frailties at the Bulldogs? From evidence... It ain't going to be Trent Barrett. To, it's not going to be Trent Barrett. Will Hoppawati, on the other hand, T, great servant, professional attitude, tries his best just about every week. But And he was your player of the year last year. He's just lost so much pace this year. He was never fast to begin with. He was fast enough. Playing in the centres, he's exposed to the speed of the game and he, he's not up to it anymore. His role now would probably be as a middle 13 or a ball-playing top of lock because he's just lost so much pace. A good move for Will Hoppawati. I don't think he's big enough. He's been a positive for the club, Will Hoppawati, in his time here. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, Another signing, um, because Saints have, um, Saints, you know, given where they are and Anthony Griffin, they want to invest in youth. So they've signed George Burgess on a two-year deal. Of course they have. (laughs) 
<laughs> just keep Paul Vaughan, man. Anyway, I'm surprised whatever. he didn't go to the Warriors. I was surprised he didn't go to the Warriors. Sounds like a Phil Gould, Nathan Brown signing. Do they? What? Do, what do they think they're going to finish with these crop of players? They're going to max out at like sixth position. I don't know because I don't see the Dragons. Look, not everyone can win every year, but the funny thing is I don't really see how this improves the Dragons in any way. He's a decent prop, but is he really better than Paul Vaughan? Who they well, he's not better winning? than Paul Vaughan. He's not better than Paul... When Paul Vaughan's playing at his best, he's not better when than When he's Paul at his Vaughan. best, yes. Yeah. So let's be honest. I think they took last week's happenings as an, as an opportunity to cut Paul Vaughan. That's my... Hundred percent, hundred percent. That was he's on massive about money. Them. Yes, that's right. Um, and they probably think he doesn't quite have the right attitude, so this was a good excuse to get rid of him. But to sign then George Burgess, well, they're probably paying him a lot less, right? So if they they feel like they can get similar type of output for a lot less for salary cap purposes, it's just these clubs are so transparent. That's exactly what they did. G, you're hundred percent right. With the Dragons, is it really improving your? what you've got there at the moment? Like, is it any better? Or I don't understand what they're trying to do. What you're getting is you're getting players either just past their prime or right at their prime. And the group of players you've got, when you look at the talent, they're not as good as the Roos, the, uh, the Panthers. They're not as good as the Storm. They're not as good as the Eels. They're not as good as the Bunnies. They're not as good as the fully fit Roosters. Your max position is sixth, seventh, fifth, maybe? Fifth in a good year? I mean... So you're building a team to finish fifth? That's that's in a way. If I look at George Burgess, the way I look at it for the Dragon signing is he's solid. He's a decent player. But if I were the Dragons, you want to target someone like Joey Tarpanay, who's probably had an off season because of things going on. Yeah, and you want someone with a bit more runway. So so what? The, I I I'm I'm in the NBA American sport. Higher rebuild. ceiling, higher ceiling, right? So you want so, young guys with higher ceilings, and the AFL does this really well. Which yeah, they get they get this talented group of players, and they they get games into their legs so that they're all coming to their peak at the right time, and then you bring the experience in to top them off to get them to the grand final, right? I, I don't know what they're building. That's 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 my problem with the dragons i think yeah you'll have a team that finishes sixth or fifth or whatever and they might even win a final or two for the next couple of years but they're not going to win the grand final we'll have to see how they go i mean anthony griffin's a funny guy in that if you look at his record at times it's he he's got some really good years mixed with some the odd poor year so but then you hear rumors that he's not a good coach at all so who knows and they probably won't re-sign Corey norman they've got ben Hunt. so the saints are in a bit of a transition but some of their signings don't, like you say, make sense necessarily. All right, the big news that emerged is the COVID relocation. So the NRL is relocating to southeast Queensland over the next four weeks. Um, they're relocating the teams in and around Sydney, including the Canberra Raiders, Newcastle Knights, Saints, um, the Warriors who are playing on the Central Coast and all the Sydney teams are up to either the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast or Brisbane. They're going to keep the draw as it is over the next four weeks. They will be in a COVID bubble for the next two weeks. Then they'll go through their testing and there's the opportunity after that for crowds and a bit more freedom at the end of it. Huge news from the NRL. They've also relocated Origin to the Gold Coast. So this could be, we'll do it in our Origin preview, but it could be the first clean sweep in the other team's state. It's going to be brilliant if we get up. The Blues have been brought back to the pack a little bit, possibly. With Caleb See how Ponga. they go. And the halves. Ponga and the halves. I think Jack Whiten's been poor all year. I, do, I, don't think, I don't think the NRL comes back to Sydney this season. I think the grand final will be in Brisbane. It's going to be a bit like Victoria's lockdown last year is my sense of it. And if that's the case, then I don't, I don't think it comes back. It's, look, I think that's highly possible. The way we're going and the way the numbers are trending, um, it, it is not looking good. I'll tell you who it favours. It favours the Melbourne Storm going back to back if that's the case, though in thinking about it but they're based out of the sunshine coast they've been based out of the sun they're very comfortable up in queensland and they're one of the teams that don't need to relocate no i mean they're i I think they're untouchable anyway but you're right and okay here's a question for you if you were one of those teams where would you pick to go i'm picking the sunshine coast uh depends how old i am (laughs) which which depends depends how old i am or what my family situation is honestly uh in my current condition with three kids, <laughs> I would be at the Sunshine Coast. Okay, um, yeah. If I was a 21-year-old footballer with no family ties, I'd probably want to go to the Gold Coast. Which brings me to another piece <laughs> of news. Jay Arrow got kicked out of the Origin team oh. a few days after the Saints situation blew up. So, of course, of course, 
Jay Arrow saw this and said, shit, I better do the right thing here because, you know, I could breach the whole competition. And so what he did was he bought a lady into the COVID bubble. And a couple of days later, a couple of days later, <laughs> it was revealed that she was, in inverted commas, a dancer. Now, I believe Jay Arrow was having a Paul Pierce party. He's been fined 35 grand and suspended. Um, uh, look, Jay Arrow, despite playing for the Bunnies and, and, and last year he played for the Gold Coast, that what he did to Tedesco in Origin last year when he was concussed on the ground and out of it was terrible. And he's a grub. In a lot of games, he's a grubby player. Does a lot <laughs> of dirty little things. Yeah. I just I just think I just think that like Felice really Felice Cafusi yeah, yeah. is a grub. He's dirty. He is. Yeah, they're dirty. He so, is. And then they come out and oh yeah, he was having a tough breakup and all this How dumb are these guys? I have to laugh because I thought after last week this wouldn't happen again, but it actually happened. It only took three again. days. It took three days. It in a worse manner. Days. Like I said, I still feel sympathy for the players being in their own bubble for a couple of years, basically, which I think is very hard to live with. But after the Paul Vaughan fiasco, if you are Jay Arrow, would you do this a few days later after seeing the fallout? Wouldn't you wait? I I I don't know what to say. I honestly don't. What like, kind of dancer do you think she was? Ballet, jazz? She could be a, a contemporary dancer. Contemporary, yeah. Yeah, you know when they kind of yeah contemporary, where you know it's kind of a little bit eclectic. You sort of move on the floor a little bit. Right. You don't think it's hip hop? There might I be think, elements of hip hop. I think I think dance <laughs> moves are closer to hip hop. Some I think it's closer be. to hip hop. I just can't believe he did it after the Paul Vaughan thing. If you waited three weeks, all right, fine. But And this is the thing. This goes back to my Paul Vaughan point as well, is you just said that they gave an excuse that, oh, he was breaking up. And and I get that, right? It's not about that, judging that aspect. These the People are quick to support this guy, but with the Dragons, they wanted to like run them over with a truck. I think it's really interesting at the different treatment for essentially oh no i agree with brandy jay jay arrow's thing was a lot worse because he brought someone in from outside the bubble it was but having said that that leads me to the next story in the dragons they've been asked to sign statutory decks or some sort of form to say that there was no one there now you and i spoke about this last week 13 blokes having a barbecue is not much of a party it can be of course you know it's unlikely highly unlikely that they were on their own and so they've been signed, asked to sign stat decks or some sort of form that says they were on their own at this party. And 10 out of the 12 players have signed. But allegedly, according to the Daily Telegraph, Zach Lomax and Daniel Alvaro have refused to sign, which then puts the NRL in quite the predicament. Because if they're unwilling to sign that they were on their own at that party, that means those 14 or 12 players have to go into 14 days of self-isolation. Jeez, that makes things harder for the Dragons. I mean, look, if it was the Bulldogs, it wouldn't matter because they'd lose anyway, but the Dragons have a chance of making the semi, so it could be a problem. Who knows? Maybe they just feel like, you know, they should be taken at their word they don't have to sign a stat deck. Um, or 12 people are comfortable not telling the truth and two are not. Two are not. The Dragons are in a real pickle. Real pickle here. Real pickle. Okay, the last piece of news I had before throwing it over to you was the Rugby League World Cup. Looks like it... I told, you thought it was going to be a quiet week, didn't you? It's been massive again. I did. I actually did. But no, of course not. <laughs> Fucking hell, this is the best. It's the best. The NRL, it's the best. I've said this... I say this week in, House week party. out. And people hot, running away five kilometres, personalised plates, leaving wallets behind. To God, what kind of a story to... The whole comp's relo- been relocated. Um, <laughs> the World Cup being cancelled. Well, that's, that's, my that. nec- that's my oh. next news. So the R- Rugby League World Cup looks like it's going to be abandoned at the end of the year. Look, I hope it isn't and they can go ahead. But if not, I mean, they can maybe do what the Euros did and maybe postpone it till next year. Well, it's already been postponed to this year. I mean, this is really important. They need to get some. They need to find a way to get international rugby league going again. It would be sad to see it postponed. I mean, look, if worst comes to worst and it has to happen, it has to happen. But I think it's great when you see, you know, Tonga playing or Samoa playing, and now we've got a lot of the Polynesian players actually playing for some of these countries. And they have such pride, and it's really brought something extra to International Rugby League, at least in the Pacific region, and now giving some of the other teams a challenge. Like, Samoa has got a pretty good side. Um, And then also to see some of the other countries that are are trying to pick up the game. But we'll have to see what happens, but I hope hope it does go ahead. But if not, hopefully next year they they, they can get it up and and running. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, it's on on death's door. 
the the English team played a select level of at a select thirteen of international superstars or internationals, if you like, a couple of weeks ago, and they got they got done in. So in, English rugby league's not in great shape. The game internationally is shrinking, not growing, and the NRL's got a responsibility to to as the biggest and best federation in the world. And really, Queensland and New South Wales are the heartlands of rugby league now, so even more so than the north of England. So they've got to find a way to get international rugby league going again. Even if it is only four good teams or five good teams, they've just got to find a way to get it going again. Well, that's what rugby was like for how many years, right? With four or five good teams, if you really think about it for a period. No, rugby's always had eight or nine teams. that They might not have always been good at the same time, but they were where it was one of their main sports. Yes, correct, correct, yes. You know, this is really in, in, in danger of dying out internationally. I agree with you, and I think the problem with the NRL in general and rugby league is they have been caught out in a dead zone. They didn't really push the game locally, I don't think. They catered to TV and sort of let go of some of the juniors, etc. So it's kind of floundered a little bit. And we've lost the kangaroo tour. We've lost all the traditions of the game as well. Internationally, they've haven't really pushed and that's kind of fallen by the wayside as well whereas they didn't really put their they just focused on the NRL only to the detriment I think of rugby league in Australia and, and then they also moved all the off times you know there's no more day games anymore there's like there's a lot of stuff it's it's a completely different sport to the one you and I grew up watching as kids you know things are going to change but there's also I think what does make the AF hang on is that it's it kind of does stay a little bit truer to its traditions than the NRL it celebrates its traditions a lot better I think. I think so and I think international rugby league I honestly think if they really pushed it there's opportunity there I mean there's a lot of play, teams that play rugby Gee, it's, it's the, the 100th the anniversary sport. of Saints and because of that merger with Illawarra they haven't done anything to celebrate they haven't put anything on their jersey that says it's 100 years they haven't done anything other than mentioning it in passing a few weeks like it's just it's a hundred years of a district rugby league. Yeah, I just think they're miles. The traditions behind are dead. They stuff. don't. They just ignore it. They don't do anything with it. You've also got countries that really love the game. Like I think there was a lost opportunity with the Pacific regions where rugby kind of neglected a little bit and poached their players, and rugby league didn't fill that gap where they absolutely well, now should it's gone, have. Right, they're going to have a Fiji and a Pacifica team in the Super Rugby next year. So exactly, and this is what I mean. They waited, and now rugby sort of stepped up finally after how many years? They've let that go. PNG, they've really done, they've got to stop treating some of these other nations as a novelty and actually really make them part of the game. Post-COVID, they should stick a bloody PNG team in the comp. Absolutely, I would put a PNG team in there. Why can't the teams, I mean, if we can fly around during COVID. Dude, if you can get to Townsville, you can get to PNG. Exactly. Look, I haven't been to PNG, but I've got friends that have. He even said to me, you have no idea how obsessed with rugby league they are. Like everybody, male, female, young, old, country's crazy about it. He said, when they find out you're from Australia, all they want to do is talk to you about the NRL. They 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 love it. So why not have a team from Port Moresby? I mean, maybe we struggled to get players there, but... I mean, it, it allows for infrastructure to be built up there. It expands international. Just this staying the way it is is not viable for the growth. We've maxed out. There is no more growth left. Not in Sydney. Even Queensland, the expansion plan. Did you see the report into the expansion plan? The problem we've got with the second team in Brisbane now is there's no one who's unaffiliated left in Brisbane. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There's no one. So it's 20 or 30 years before they've got enough support because you need kids that are growing up to adopt them before they adopt the Broncos. Yeah, it's it's not easy, but I, I with you, I think the NRL is in a position where, as you say, they really are the dominant body and they need to even help the Super League and they need to push... Well, they should buy the Super League, which is what we said. Yeah, they they should, they should become like the NFL and the NBA. That they it's a it's an association, but they actually run the game. They run the game. I really think um, they need to do something about it and just push, go for it, because otherwise the game will slowly die out. It just will. Yeah. So okay. So let's let's move on. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover in terms of news? I mean, really, what else can I cover? Okay, let's move on to round 17. There's only four games we'll cover, and then we'll go into our preview of, of round 18 and the, and the Origin game. So there's nine games to preview. First up, uh, there was only four games. Oh, before we start, though, G, I don't know any, and we've, said, we've been saying this for weeks, I don't know any comp that does this to their own competition. And we've got another split round here. Why don't they pick a 30-man squad each for New South Wales and Queensland and play three State of Origins over 11 days. I think that'd be a great idea. You've got a game on a Wednesday, you've got a game on the Sunday, and then you've got a game the following Wednesday. 
It's only one week out. You've got a standalone Origin on the Sunday night for the TV audience, but the, the, it, it actually doesn't stuff around with the integrity of the competition. Look, I think that's probably the best solution that we can get in the way the comp's structured. I think the way that this has impacted the comp for so many years is not good. I mean, look, you can argue that it doesn't really impact it that much because usually the better teams usually make the eight anyway. Oh, you mean you mean like Nathan Cleary getting injured and being out for six weeks? Well, that's part of playing Origin, right? That, those things happen. It but doesn't impact the comp, you said. No, it does. I mean, in terms of just having the split rounds and players missing because they're away for Origin duty and things like that, the injuries are going to happen whether they play 30-man squad or not. If Tommy Turbo plays for Manly, they beat the Raiders. Um, yes. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. So it's the, it's the players missing for Origin duty, which I don't think is okay. And I think that's the best solution. I mean, what other solution is there other than you stop the comp for actually three weeks and have one game and that's it? That, that you can't do, but nor can you keep this going this half-assed way we're doing it just stop it for a round three games in 10 days for the origin guys but you got a 30-man squad to pick from right so the injuries the fatigue you'll have to manage your squad and that's it it's done you move on i think something like that t would work and it might be say two weeks it might be over 14 days whatever it is so there's a game every five days but 14 days uh it doesn't work it has to be three games over 10 or 11 days otherwise the moment you go to 14 or 13 for that matter, to missing out on two rounds. It's TV, right? Let's be honest. Channel 9 has made Origin into some gigantic thing. This gives everyone what they want. It gives you two Wednesdays a Sunday. It gives you a squad of Origin. It keeps your theatre about around it for two weeks. I hope they do that. I don't think they will because I always think that we've, as a sport, catered to TV rather than dictating to TV what is good for the sport, as well as accepting some of the things that are good for TV. It's more like TV is telling us what to do with the game. Yep. I think that's where we've come to now, where the comp becomes a irrelevancy to origin for six weeks, which is stupid. Yeah, it is. I agree. All right. You could argue that a lot of the best players aren't even eligible for origin anymore. Yeah, correct. Well, 50% of the competition's Pacific Islanders now. It's not really the best of the best anymore. If the NRL needs anyone to consult to them to solve it, G- the GNT shows available. So let's move on to the first game of the round. It was Manly versus the Raiders. Both teams were missing two players to origin, DCE and Turbo for Manly and Papali and Whiten for the Raiders. And it was Manly who started the better, getting an early try to Dylan Walker and holding on to a 4-0 lead for the first half hour. But the game changed when um, Ricky adopted Craig Bellamy's uh, tactics of two hookers and Tom Starling came on and, and he moved Josh Hodgson to a ball-playing lock role. Uh, and, and then Tom Starling cut them up through the middle to score. And when Sam Williams went over just before halftime, the Raiders led 12-4 at halftime. They were able to actually uh, they were able to actually end the half really, really well. And then um, I thought Joey Tarpanay was also back to his best after he replaced Dynamis Louie after 12 minutes, running for 173 metres in 28 minutes in the first half. Just to put that in context, that's almost as much as the whole Manly pack ran for in the first half. They ran for 178 metres. So so just a barnstorming effort by Joey Tarpanay for the for the first half. In the second half, the, the Raiders came out the way they ended the first half. It's very un-Raiders-like this year, leading to Sam Williams' second try. And Seb, Chris scoring after a Sam Williams bob uh, led to a Moses Silly Falcon. <laughs> Yeah, and with twenty to go, they they led twenty four four. The the Raiders are a bit shaky. They're a bit like the Titans. They can get run down, and Manly did get it back to twenty four sixteen with ten to go before Emra Gula crashed over with five minutes to go. Manly's defence around the ruck and through the middle forwards was poor. Their forwards got completely outplayed and Canberra didn't attack their edges. That Canberra attacked through the middle. Yes. And and they cut them up through the middle of the pack. Um, the Canberra halves of Sam Williams and Matt Frawley were superb, outpointing Dylan Walker and Kieran Fora. Their kicking game was the difference in the game as well. So through the middle and their kicking game was really where the, the long and the short of this game. They forced eight line dropouts. Um, so the kicking game was absolutely superb. And between the forward dominance, the attacking through the middle, through Tom Starling and Josh Hodgson, and the kicking game, that really told the story of how Canberra got their got their season back on track now. What did you think of this game? Not too different. I was actually surprised that the Raiders won relatively easily with a little bit of a shaky period towards the back end of the second half. I thought Manly started off quite well. Yeah, first half hour, 28 minutes, they were a better side. They were. They couldn't quite score the points that's given them the big leads in the last few games, right? So they only scored 
the try to Dylan Walker. Brad Parker dropped one over the line, um, which he should. What have Tommy as Turbo well. gives them as well, you got to remember, and this is where he, he he gives them punch from midfield, not just in the red zone. That's Des Hasler and the fullbacks, right? Brett Stewart used to come through the middle, if you remember as well. That like they would have they would have been up by more with Tommy Turbo there because he would have created because they did have a lot of field position and territory early on. I think so, and I, it didn't really give. I think the manly outside backs as much space because they could cheat off Dylan Walker or Kieran Foran, right? DCE, they lost a little bit of that ad-lib sort of playmaking that they get from DCE as well. So like you said, I don't think they scored enough for their domin- scored enough points for the dominance they had. And then the Raiders, as soon as Starling came on, like you said, started to attack them through the middle and caught out some of their bigger guys with his speed around the ruck and his, his agility as well and his, his ability to step players. So Borrow that from Bellamy. I told you that there was going to be other teams that steal that, that dual, dual hooker thing. And, and it was really effective. So, and I thought Sam Williams had a really good game and then they started to, to run at the line with different passes and players and I think that left Manly's defence um, exposed a little bit and they scored a couple of tries. Starling turned the game, I think, with his try and then the Raiders just went on with it. A couple of lucky bounces from the kicks to score, but, you know, you need those throughout a game. And uh, towards the end, though, I thought Manly was going to come back and get them. Yeah, 24-16, I thought, I thought, because they were only one try out of it at that point. If they got another try and got it back 24-22... I didn't think the Raiders would have the confidence to hold them out. Same. So, and then when Emre Gulek sort of busted, you know, forced his way over, it was a good try. Through the middle. All the tries were through the middle, right? That obviously sealed the game. So, a good win by the Raiders. I didn't expect them to win this game. It, it does beg the question, right? The kicking game was a lot better. Jack Whiten is okay at kicking. And I thought Xavier Savage looked good. Yeah, Xavier Savage had a good game, yeah. For his official debut, his previous 12 minutes was illegally yeah. played. He's um, live, a lively young player. Can we refer to him by his full name? He is now the Macho Man, Xavier Savage. Uh, macho Man, Xavier Savage. And do you bring Whiten back at fullback, for example, and then have two real kickers and playmakers in the middle and have Hodgson? So you get a lot more variety. What I would say to you, though, is it depends how serious this chance nickel clock stat injury is. If he comes back, because he's been gone for a while with this injury, and all indications are it might be a bit more serious than, than first thought, I think they've bulked Jack White up a bit too much to move him back there. He is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but they looked good moving Hodgson out of that playmaking role because it gave him thrust out of dummy half, right? Starling gives him that threat of running from dummy half. Whereas Hodgson, yeah, he ball plays, but you can watch his runners. Like if he busts through, it doesn't really threaten the defense. But Yeah, but what, what, what it does give you is it gives you optionality. You can get off the back. You could, they can build momentum off each other which is the same thing Brandon Smith and Harry Grant do. Harry Grant's better out of dummy half, right? He's a bit like Tom Starling. He's quick. He can get out. He can he can take the line on. Whereas Brandon Smith's a bit tougher and he can be a secondary ball player, right? Now, I think that's that's a little bit the way Tom Starling and Josh Hodgson can play. It was a good win for the Raiders, but interesting in regards to um, future possibilities in the way they play. But good win. Good win. All right. Let's move on to the next game, um, which was Souths versus the Cowboys. So this was uh, this was the Friday night. The, the Manly Raiders game was on the Thursday night. Um, Cody Walker was absolutely superb. I mean, he was the mod- he is the modern day Cliff Lyons. Him and Adam Reynolds put on a clinic against the Cowboys, combining on on both sides of the field. They do this better than any other halves combination in the comp. Not left right, combining on one side or the other together, which led to Tane Milne get it, and Alex Johnson each scoring a hat trick. So the right edge and the left edge got a hat trick. They set up five of the eight tries. Having said all that, and after giving Souths this enormous mm. praise, um, the Cowboys started well, leading 12-2. Um, after 20 minutes, off the back of some barnstorming play from Jason Tormalolo, he ran for 133 metres and four tackle busts in 29 minutes. Todd Payton then subbed him off. And as soon as he went off, the Rapidos had 10 out of 11 sets and four or five set restarts that led to three tries before half time. And the game was 22-12 at half time after leading 12-2 in the 29th minute. Yep. Souths went on with it in the second half, and by the time Kyle Felt scored with a few minutes left, Souths had run in 44 unanswered points, so the game had gone at that point. Cowboys' defence on both edges was poor, and other than Jason Tormelolo, were not damaging or threatening with the ball in hand, even though they scored 18 points. I thought Souths were excellent, and I thought the Cowboys were poor, and, I th- and I'm worried about where the Cowboys' season goes from here. Well, I think he subbed off Tormelolo, because Tormelolo, you can see, isn't quite f- 
this is what Todd Payton mentioned at the start of the year. It's not quite fit enough, right? I, I understand what you're saying, but it's a bit like Tommy Turbo. He needed. It's not a coincidence that South racked it all up when he went off the field. I, I think it's what you said. They, their attack is blunt. Their attack is blunt, but, but what I'm saying to you is Tormalolo gives the people around him a lift as well. He, he does, because it gives you that belief you've got strike and you can score points, right? And They ran in three tries in 11 minutes with him off the field. See, the way I see rugby league is it's such a gritty game and the little, you know, the nitty gritty stuff of getting up and getting hit and stuff that no one wants to do is what can really win you the games, right? Sorry, I disagree with that. And I'll tell you why, because I, I don't, you know, Christian Welsh got interviewed online. The, the grit has gone out of the game this year. There is no grit this year. I like the grit in rugby league, but it's completely gone out. Unless the top teams are playing each other, it's completely gone out of the game. I think there's an element of that. I guess defending and being desperate in defence is probably a better way to phrase it. Cowboys haven't got any strike and Tormalolos and you're playing south. I think sometimes your confidence isn't quite there and it's hard to get yourself that extra motivation to be so desperate in defence all of the game when you're not really sure if you can win. I don't think some of these teams have belief that they can actually. Oh, win these I games, agree with right? that, but I think if he keeps Tormalolo on the field, I don't think they go in at halftime twenty-two twelve down. I think you're right. It would have been closer, right? And and once the game, once they got three tries and the momentum shifted, and Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds were brilliant, like they were never going to win the game from that point. But I also think Souths have had quite a few easy games and blown teams away. Like last week, they have. Yeah. It was a farce, right? So I actually think the Cowboys started off, and I think them scoring a few tries, what I was watching is that all of a sudden it woke Souths up. Souths, I think, were still going to go through one of their normal Sundays, where they go, or Saturdays, they go through the motions and they easily win the or game. Or even Fridays. Or Fridays, or Thursdays for that matter. <laughs> um, but but um, I think in this game, the Cowboys getting ahead 12-2 kind of woke them up. And once they started to play football and locked in, I mean, honestly, Cody Walker... And Alex Johnston as well. Well, and Tane Millen. I thought Adam Reynolds had a superb game as he well. Did. They just combined. He did. They play so well together. And this is why I would have picked them as my halves for New South Wales. Cody Walker absolutely should be the 5'8 for New South Wales. I mean... And I think Adam Reynolds should be the half. And I'm saying this is a Parramatta supporter. I, th- I think... And Damien Cook and Latrell Mitchell out on the left edge. Like, th- that... Could have been dangerous, right? I guess the way I look at Origin is that I'm I'm saying to myself I look into the future, look to the future. But you know what? It shouldn't matter if Adam Reynolds is the best halfback now, and you think he is. I, I'm happy with Mitch Moses being there, but he should be picked, right? Regardless of how old he is, if he's the form halfback, you pick him. I pick him I, more for the combination. I think Cody Walker is the better five eight. Better five, if I pick Cody Walker at 5'8", then I want Adam Reynolds as my half. I said that before he picked the side, that I, w- I would have picked those two as Agreed, but Cody Walker was just absolutely... Honestly, I think he's at the moment oh, he's he's at the, the top best 5'8 in the competition. I think you're right. I, I agree with you. I mean, every week, T, you watch the game and Cody Walker's setting up four or five tries or... The problem for Souths against the big teams is going to be their defence. Their defence is not good. So there's no doubt they can put points on, but I'm not sure they're going to be putting enough points on Manly and Penrith to stop. You know, they can't stop them. That's the problem with South. They play to their opponent's level. I agree with that because I think um, there's a couple of games where I've watched this year where South really should have scored 60 if they put the pedal to the metal plus, right? Um, And they haven't because they're kind of clocking on and off at times. But in this game, once they locked in, they just racked up those points ultra quick and then sort of slowed the game down in the last 10 minutes. They've got everything. I agree with you. Their defense can be a bit shaky, which is what might hold them back. But Alex Johnston and Cody Walker... Remember, the games get tighter in the semis. The games get tighter in the semis. Particularly week two onwards, yeah. They were fantastic. Can I, can I be clear? Can I be clear? They were fantastic for the last 60 minutes. Yes. It, was, it wasn't an 80-minute performance. I think they were sleepwalking through the start of that game until they woke up and then all of a sudden they're like, shit, we're down. And then they just... Bang, bang, bang. And they just tore the Cowboys apart. I didn't think the Cowboys' defense on the fringe was that bad. They were just outfoxed. It was just smart, footy, delayed passes, changes of pace. I think South... Oh, the last one for Tane Milne, the the batting of the... Just brilliant. I don't think the Cowboys were great, but I don't think they were as terrible as the score suggested. They got... I think the wheels are falling off a little bit for the Cowboys. Well, it's a couple of games in a row now where... I think they've lost three out of their last four. But it could be the origin, right? Val Holmes started to play a little bit better. That's true, and fullback's an important role, yeah. There's still only one win. There's still only one win out of the eight. Believe it or not, yeah, they are. Well, that bottom of, bottom of the eight's 
crowded, which we said before the season when you thought there was only 15 teams in the comp. Yes. You know, if you were CEO of the NRL and you were relocating all the teams, you'd be like, everyone's up there. I've done such a great job. Uh, what about the Warriors? Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's just shift them to PNG. <laughs> that's that's what would happen. All right, let's move on to the Saturday game. I'm not going to give you a hard time about the Bulldogs because um, I thought I really enjoyed this game. The weather brought the Roosters back to the Dogs, and actually, this was a decent game of footy. Lachlan Lewis replaced Kyle Flanagan, getting two tries. The first chip and chase was fantastic, and then picking up an error from Joey Manu, who who was also poorly positioned for that chip and chase, mind you. He was in the line. Well, I, he's the A defender, which is right, but I think because of the conditions, he was a bit slow getting around the other side, and then he was a yard too short for the chip and chase. So the Roosters got the opening two tries through Billy Smith. After all his injuries, his first game since 2019, and, 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 and Tupanua. Um, Joey Manu then got one back as he sliced through the dogs, and other than the two... Or- Two errors for the Dogs' try. I thought Joey Manu was actually superb. The Roosters led 16-10 at halftime. Nick Meany then sliced through to score after the break and make it 16-all. For Sam Walker put Ikevalu over to make it 20-16. And the game was iced with a Roosters penalty goal after Jack Hethering, after a Jack Hetherington high shot, which I thought was a 50-50 call, I've got to be honest with you. Jared Warrior Hargraves, his last five or six games are really back to his best. He was again superb, continuing his recent amazing form. He had 20 hit-ups and 215 metres. Joey Manu was great, scoring a try, and he got 245 metres in those conditions off 23 runs. Looked dangerous every time he had the ball. Lachlan Lewis for the Bulldogs, he was their best. We had a great, he had a great game. And you know what I like most about him? He was the one chasing Sam Walker down at the end when all this ridiculous kerfuffle about him running backwards to ice the game. Who cares? Do you know what? I don't see what the big deal about it's that It's not a big was. deal. It's within the rules. Who cares? Run. What's the difference if he turns around and kicks the ball out of play? Like, you know what my biggest issue was? The the, the clock on Fox Sports said was there wrong? was 20 seconds. It was wrong. And yeah, I thought I he was running backwards at the wrong time. I'm like, you've still got 20 seconds, you full fed. But he only had 10 or something like that. It actually was not a bad game of football. I think the attack still lacks... It lacks something, right? It's very one-dimensional and very predictive, predictable. It's like inside balls to one runner when everyone else is standing around watching, and then the four Roosters defenders just smash them. Poor Josh Jackson got an Avarillo hospital ball and got literally killed. Oh, he did. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, and I, can I tell you, Josh Jackson's been playing okay. He's better, tighter. He is better, tighter. Doesn't get found out on the fringes in yeah, space. Yeah, I but agree. yeah. They hung in there. They gave it a go. It was actually a good game to watch. It was. The Sam Walker thing, honestly, who cares? Like, who ca- I'm not, I wasn't. I, I wasn't even going to talk about it. It is such a non non issue. It, it is a non issue. If you just turned around and kicked the ball out, and then they took thirty seconds and wasted the time getting to a scrum, like what? What is the difference, really? The problem is when you do that, when you kick the ball out, sometimes the ref blows time off. He shouldn't, but it's the random. It's the random number generator of the NRL. Refs. It, it is absolutely. It was a good game. I think the Roosters. The conditions did bring them back to the pack a little bit. But I didn't really think they they overly threatened the dogs' defence, if that makes sense. They kind of made it a little bit easier. I thought they struggled to really bust through. Although when they did, it looked really easy. But for a lot of... It was just every now and again. Like the Manu try was very easy. It's not like he did anything... Great step, but there were three defenders there. He didn't, you know, dance around. He just easily got past everybody. And so I, I, you could see that the Roosters were too good, but they couldn't quite put the Bulldogs away. And I thought the Dogs, you know, proud of their their effort. They hung in there for most of the game. And, you know, with a little bit more class in attack, I think they could have, you know, maybe snuck a win with a bit of luck. As for Lachlan Lewis, thoughts on Lachlan Lewis are he's a player that he needs freedom, which is what that chip was, right? He needs freedom to play what he sees. That's his most effective trait. He's not compose halfback, steer the team around the park guy. That's not him. That's what made him effective in his rookie year, and that's the player he is, and that's been taken away from him, I think. Where he does make a difference is defensively, he's very solid. So I think he shored up that side of the field in defense, and it made that side harder to break in general. I think that made the dog's defense more solid, and I thought Lachlan Lewis was our best player. Luke, I thought Manu did all right on the wing. The young staff to getting killed last week. Oh, he got absolutely oh, toasted last week. Oh, God. Poor bastard. What a way to get into grade. And I thought Nick Meany actually had a really good game. He did have a really good game. He's gonna. He's a good signing for the Melbourne. I saw his involvement in this game was a lot 
there was a lot more involvement from the fullback, whether it was Nick Meany or whoever, and I think it added a little bit extra to the attack. But, you know, uh, look, a good performance, a good solid hit out, but Roosters too good, too much class. A little bit too much class, Roosters. You know, I'm a little bit different. I don't I don't think the Roosters were ever going to lose that game. I never felt no, like, even I at don't. your bit. But you hung in there, and I thought that was a good sign. Gives you a chance of maybe getting a little bit of luck, gives right? You a, but gives you a chance, that's right. That's exactly right. I never felt the Roosters were going to lose, but, you know, a lucky bounce, a lucky kick. You score a try, you know, things happen. But good effort, good effort. Best probably effort almost of the season. Great job. Say. All right, congratulations, Bulldogs, for only losing by six points. All right, let's move on to the game this week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We've come to of, that, yeah. Go. Speaking of another fluid attacking machine, it's the Sharks versus the Warriors. The Sharks got up 20-12 to 12 at Cogra. Oh, look, I didn't think this was a bad game either. Look, in both the last game and this game, they swallowed their whistle. So it was much better without all the set restarts, So, which is interesting. The, the, the Warriors started the game well, and their field position was rewarded by a try to Reese Walsh to give the Warriors a 6-0 lead. They actually had the better of the first 15-20 minutes. Cronulla fought their way back into the contest and dominated the last 20 minutes of the first half, running in three tries to the first to Connor Tracy, then uh, Braden Trindle, and then Hamlin Ueli to lead 20 to 6 then the Hamlin Ueli try celebration the WWE if you smell what the rock is cooking the people's yes. elbow he delivered yeah. the people's elbow and if you listen to Blocker Roaching commentary actually or in the, on the Sunday ticket he actually thought he really did punch his own player <laughs> so brilliant so great the best one so far um and then in the sec so that the sharks were up 20 to 6 at half time i thought the warriors then dominated field position in the second half but all game they lacked polish in attack in the second half, RTS scored off a set play. It was a set play. It wasn't razzle-dazzle football. He came through. He came off his wing on the left wing and came up as almost the second fullback through the middle. Um, the Warriors won the second half 6-0, but didn't really throw enough at the Sharks. And I, I've, I've been saying it for weeks. I'm not sure what they're trying to build there. They're trying to play an Aussie brand of football to keep the games tight. But what they're doing in playing that Aussie brand of football is they're actually not throwing enough at the defence. They should have won this game. They had the better field... Territory-wise, they dominated 60 minutes of the 80 minutes of this game, three quarters of this game, and they couldn't get over the try line. And this goes back to what I've been saying all season. You, I think you pointed out they're trying to play a so-called Australian brand of football, but I think what they're doing is actually limiting their own capability. I mean, if you look at their backline team, they've got some rookies, but Rocco Berry looks like he's got some potential. Yeah, Rocco Berry looks like a good player. And can I just say, SJ was quite good for the Sharks too. He's been playing really well. His transition is complete. He's like uh, organising. Yes. He's not the dynamic. No, no, no. He's not the magic player, player. on the line no. magic player anymore. He's Benji. He's Benji Benji in the yes, last five, six years. Yes, late Benji. Yes, that's a good good comparison. But, I mean, you've got Reese Walsh. You've got RTS. You've got Rocco Berry. He's got some pace. You've got... Rock, Rocco Berry's dad was an all-black. He can play. Yeah. DWZ is actually a, a decent winger on a decent He's a good side. winger. I think he's a good winger. I think he's a good winger. At Canterbury for DWZ. They were paying him fullback money. They promised him the fullback role, and they had to give him a goal at fullback. The problem is, he's not a fullback. But I think at the Warriors, he's got a good role. So, if you look at them, and then you've got... Cody Nikarima, who can step past five or six guys, and Sean, so, look, that's a pretty potent attack attacking backline, right? But they just you know play. what you need in that backline, Chad Townsend. <laughs> of course you do, um, injured Chad Chad Townsend, but he can bring the beers at half time. But or maybe get him to peel oranges. He's going to be out the rest of the season. He's, he's it didn't like, work out he's well. One he's game. had a terrible season. What is North Queensland thinking? They paid three years and so much money for him. But big mistake. I don't think Chad Townsend wanted to ever leave the Sharks. He's from the Shire. He's grown up there. I think he's, you know, one of those lost seasons. It's been a rough season. I think it's impacted him, I think. And his form's dropped off a little bit. And he's not like one of those dominant players where he can afford to be at 80%. He's not as talented as most of the other players. But I think the Warriors are, you know, doing themselves a disservice. I'm with you. I thought they'd... They dominated field position. To get RTS involved just with a set play, like he should be roaming around everywhere. So should Reese Walsh. They've got dynamite in their back line. They don't use it. And the Sharks, I think once they started to ball play a little bit. Well, they, they thought the game was over at halftime, right? They didn't throw anything in the second half. They just tried to manage a result. Yeah. Yes. They racked up the points really quickly. And when you do that, I think you have a tendency to think it's always going to be easy. So it's just human nature. You kind of think, okay, this is easy. And your intensity drops a little bit. And the second half, like you say, I thought they tried to manage the game. But I did like the move of Connor Tracy to... The halves. Yeah, yeah. I really did. I think... Well, he is a half. 
He's a half. But they've been playing him as a Mr. Fix-It. Now that they're back, yeah, I know, but he's a, he's a 5'8". He's a 5'8". Yeah, he, they've got some punch from the halves, right? So he, they've got a runner that can run through holes or pass. It will help Cronulla. But a good win, they needed that. And the Warriors, come on. I mean, leaving too much up to chance. Throw, chance your arm and play some footy. They look far better when they do it, but they just almost never do. Yeah. Need, need a change, I think, the Warriors in perspective. All right. Well, they, they were the four games over round 17. Let's move on to the round 18 preview. We'll start with State of Origin, not technically part of round 18, but it's up on the Gold Coast. New South Wales yep. are $1.28 favourites. The Queensland Maroons are $3.75. They've got an 11.5 point start. I am tipping New South Wales, but I'm like you. I think they've come back to the pack. I think Kalen Ponga being in Queensland's team will give them a lot more potency. And I think the halves, Jack White is not playing well. Mitchell Moses' debut... I think they will get them. I think it'll be a lot, lot closer, though. I think it'll be six points, eight points, four points. It'll be in that four to eight point range for New South Wales. I agree with you. I don't. I think it'll be a close game. Now, unless I'm missing something and really Tommy T, Latrell and Addo Carr run riot like they did in the last game, I think now Queensland has a little bit more punch in their back line to, like you say, I, make I that will difference. say this. If New South Wales score a couple of early tries, Mitchell Moses could be will get confidence up. Flat track bully, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think then he is the perfect halfback to take a 12-0 lead and make it 30-0. I think that's a, a good point because that actually could happen. He, his confidence soars and then he yeah. just runs downhill, right? Having the hammer, even though his defense has been poor for half most of the year. But now they've got Valentine Holmes, Gagai, you know, the hammer in the centers and Xavier Coates. They've got some speed now, Queensland. Yeah, I agree. Although I think the hammer will get... He's, he's, he's not a center. He's a winger. He's not. He's They're not. playing him at yes. center. Yeah. And who's he up against, G? Latrell. Yeah, I know. You know what? At least they've got pace there. They can't just run around him like they did with Capewell. So... Well, and I assume they're going to play him on the right center. I assume they're going to play him at right center. Yeah, I like the move of Finucane to prop as well. I think that's a good thing. It gives them that mobility. But I'm with you. I think it'll be closer for sure because I think Queensland's team now looks a little bit stronger as a result. But I think New South Wales will win by... I'm tipping 10, but I also will say that with the proviso that you mentioned that if they do get a few early tries and Mitchell Moses starts to turn it on, it could run out to 30 or 40. Because that's just the way he is. Actually, wouldn't surprise me if Queensland get it. I think this will be a lot closer than people. Uh, they've got pride on the line. New South Wales are not a 50-point better team than Queensland. If you play the game 10 times, they're not going to win by 50 points more than once, right? So, Caelan Pong is back. New South Wales has got a rookie halfback and an out-of-form 5 Yeah, an out-of-form 5-8. I don't think Whiten's played well at all. So, I think that's going to make them less potent in attack, which is going to bring them back. And to so, be honest with you, Damian Cook hasn't been playing that well either. No. So, I, look, I think it's they're going to win by 10. Because I just think overall they're, they're better. But if I look at their teams now, they look a little bit more even than they did before and not as one-sided. Yep. Okay, so let's move on to the round proper. And all these games are going to be determined by who's backing up after Origin. Um, first up, on there's no Thursday night game because of Origin's on the Wednesday. Two games on the Friday. It's first up to the Titans versus the Eels. The Titans have got their four, big four. They're backing up from Origin. And the Eels have Junior Paulo and... Mitch Moses, and Clint Gutherson, if he gets on the field. He's the 18th man at the moment. So I don't think Mitch Moses will probably play in this game. I'm going to tip the Eels because they're my team. But, geez, I'm struggling to tip this. It wouldn't surprise me if the Titans got it. Titans have got a lot of points in them. The Eels' defense is good. If the Eels win, I think they'll win by under 10. I'm tipping the Eels because I don't trust the Titans, to be quite frank. I think they played the Raiders last time. You know, when you've got a team that's ahead by 25, 26, 30 points and you still think they might lose, there's a problem. Um, I did see visions of some of their 2020 play against the Raiders in that they they really stepped up the tempo a bit, the Titans. But I think they've got so many people involved in Origin, they'll be missing some of those players. And I just think the Eels will be a little bit too good and a little bit too methodical, whether Mitchell Moses plays or not. They're a settled team and I expect Gutherson to be there. The way I'm going at the moment, I think the Eels are too settled and they've been playing pretty well. And I think they'll beat the Titans by... Probably 10 or 12. And and the 8pm game, poor Channel 9's got Manly versus the Dragons. I have no idea which Dragons team's going to show up. Depends who signs the stat deck. You know how they've got 12 <laughs> players suspended? And they've got, to, they've, got to, they've got to spread it out over four weeks? Yes. Hey, Anthony Griffin, 12 divided by four is three. You've just got to pick three players that aren't playing this week. It's pretty easy to rotate the suspended players through. 
But anyway, I think Manly will win this because I don't know which Dragons team's going to show up on the day. But the betting's been suspended, so I can't give you the odds on this. I think Manly will win because the Dragons don't have any idea what they're doing and they're in all sorts. The Seagulls looked quite beatable without Cherry Evans and Tom Trebojevic there against the Raiders. I think they'll back up. My hunch is they will because I think Manly wants to solidify that position in the top six. I think DCE will back up. Um, Tommy Turbo, maybe not, but DCE, I think, will back up. I am going to tip Manly as a result, and I just think the Dragons, uh, there's too much stuff happening off the field. I mean, like you say, it might only be three players, but they haven't really struck me as being in any good form. It's like like we said, they're sneaking wins. Yeah. But are they playing well? No, and I don't think they're going to be playing well enough to beat the Seagulls. I'm tipping the Seagulls because I'm expecting, yeah, DCE at least to back up, and I think that'll give them enough to beat St. George. You know, the one thing I will say about Manly is um, Dylan Walker's no longer a first grader. I don't think he's a playmaking first grader. I like the move the last but few he's not weeks quick of Dylan enough. Walker. No, he's not. I like the move of him as that tight sort of ball-playing middle forward. Yeah, but he's not big enough. No, but, you know, something different off the bench. Yeah, I get it. So, so I think he's caught in between now. He's too slow to play in the outside backs. He doesn't have the speed to play at fullback, and he doesn't have the ball playing anymore. He's too slow to play in the halves, and he's not big enough to play as a, in, through the middle. So where do you play him? Well, I suppose that change of pace person off the bench, but... Well, maybe a utility, maybe a utility. I mean, he has completely, completely fallen off a cliff the last couple of years. I just can't believe how he's gotten so slow. Like, the guy was electric speed-wise, so what... It's an well, interesting he, he, case. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, what, but he's, he's noticeably bigger. He, well, okay, that's very true. He's noticeably bigger. Not big enough to play in the forwards, but noticeably bigger than what he was at Souths. He was a stick at Souths. Yeah, he was. But Tyrone Peach, I think he's a Tyrone Peachy type of player. Yeah, but he doesn't have the ball-playing ability of Tyrone Peachy. Not quite, but he does give something different in the middle of the field. He's a strong runner, but he's not quick anymore. But he's kind of almost quick enough for the forwards, but like you say, not big enough. He really is a tweener, as they say. He's in yeah, between yeah, he's, all these he, roles, he really right? Is. He really is. So I think that's why I think DCE is actually really important for Manly. I agree with you. I think they struggled without him last week, or a, or at least an engaged DCE. Unlike the first few weeks of the season. The quiz, no. Yeah, correct. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see. I won't tip any of these games, my final tips, until after Origin and I see who's playing. So if we move on to Super Saturday, first up is the Raiders versus the Sharks. And given lockdown, uh, we're all watching the footy. So I'm, I'm struggling with this one. It's the Raiders versus the Sharks in Queensland. I'm leaning towards the Raiders because Jack Whiten and Josh Papali are already in Queensland. <laughs> so that's the only reason why I'm... Great. It's going to be a tight game, though. It's, I, I, don't, I think this will be a very, very tight game. I think this will be under a try. I think you're right. I think this game will be tight because, to me, they're kind of a similar types of teams. They rely on almost team football to attack well. You know, everyone needs to be engaged. They don't have outright game breakers. Like, you know, it, like you say, SJ is more of a playmaker now. Um, the Raiders, you know, rely on Hodgson passing and runners and... So to me, they're kind of similar. It's more who can sort of take advantage of the the, the possession that they have or the, the field position. And for me at the moment, I just think the Raiders did look okay against Manly, with, even though Manly were missing players. But I just think the Sharks, they disappoint me sometimes. I think they've got enough to beat them, but sometimes they're not quite all in tune at the same time. But I'm tipping the Sharks in this game, but this really is 50-50 call for yeah, me. Yeah, it is a 50 Wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders win. I agree with you. Okay, well, we'll move on to the next game, which is the Cowboys versus the Roosters. The Roosters are $1.38 favourites. The Cowboys are $3, um, and the Cowboys have nine and a half point start. Is it just me, or do I think the Cowboys have got a chance in this game? I don't know. The Roosters have come back to the pack a little bit um, without Tedesco and a few of their players. And, you know, they've got Tedesco and Crichton involved in State of Origin. Well, I don't think if Tedesco and Crichton doesn't play, I, I I didn't think the Roosters were that impressive against the Bulldogs. They weren't. They were kind of like you said. I felt like they were in control, but did I say that they looked miles better? But the Cowboys, than the, the Cowboys were worse against the Souths, right? I'm tipping the Roosters because I just think that as a team and the way they run as a club, I think they're just going to yeah. perform at yeah, I think as right. almost as good as they can. And the Cowboys at the moment, I've got no idea what I'm going to get from them. They've been flogged two weeks in a row, but they were had a little bit of a surge in form for a while before that, and I'm not really sure where they're going to go they might be missing the hammer and Val Holmes and I think without them they really struggle to have any strike power in the backs which they don't really have anyway and I just think the Roosters defense will handle their attack a little bit too easily 
and I don't see them scoring enough points to beat the Roosters. So I'm tipping the Roosters. All right, and the last game on Super Saturday is the Storm versus the Knights. This is down in Melbourne at AAMI Stadium. The Storm are eight favourites. Knights are $7.50. They've got 18.5 points start. Oh, the Storm will win this for me. They will win this. I think they're just too good. This is a bogey game for me for the Storm. After Origin, they've won so many games in a row. I think if they can get over this game and then really get all their players back after Origin, it wouldn't surprise me if they win 20 in a row. I, yeah. I Honestly, they look untouchable. But the Knights are going to... It depends if Ponga plays. With Ponga, T, I think they can... You know, It'll be interesting to see how they can match the Storm, for, if they can match the Storm for a little bit. So you're tipping the Knights? I don't think they have quite enough class to beat the Storm, but... I don't expect them to get flogged if Ponga plays. I think it'll be a lot closer than we think it is. So I'm tipping the Storm because I just don't think they'll lose for the next six or seven games. I think they might beat the all-time record of 17. Okay, well, we'll see. Ooh, good yeah. tip. Gee, that's, yeah. So we've got three games on Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to Sunday this week. We've got three games. Um, a bit like the old days. First up, yes. it's Warriors versus, versus the Panthers. This will be up somewhere in Queensland. Around around the grounds with, with T&G. Yeah, around the grounds of TNG. Warriors are outsiders, three dollars eighty. Panthers are a dollar twenty-seven favourites. The Warriors have eleven and a half points start. No Nathan Cleary for the Panthers, and not sure if their Origin players will be backing up. I don't think the Warriors have enough points in them. This is the thing, right? Like the Panthers without their Origin players, I think can be beaten, and they've come close to being beaten a few times, right? We've spoken about it, and now Burton might look better in the centres at times, and May sort of really hampers the fluency of their attack. But like you, I don't think the Warriors are going to play the football yeah, that's going to the then take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah where's yeah, the points so... going to come from? I don't think the Panthers have to score that many points. I think the Warriors have only got two or three tries in them. I agree with you. I'm tipping the Panthers solely because I don't think the Warriors will have the guts to challenge their defence, and their defence is solid, so you need to throw something at them. You can't try and grind out a win against the Panthers' defence. You've got to beat them. Yeah. They'll be defensively too strong for the Warriors and the Warriors too conservative. So Panthers, for me, I don't think it'll be easy if they're missing no, Uri and stuff. I don't so think, I think it'll, it'll be, be closer. Yeah. So Panthers by around 10, I reckon. Yeah. I think it'll be, it could be a close game. But yeah, I, I think the Panthers will get them because I don't think the Warriors have got enough points in them. All right, the Channel 9 game uh, on Sunday is the Broncos versus the West Tigers. The mighty, powerful clash between 15th and 14th on the table. This one's at Suncorp. I have the Broncos at $1.62 favourites against the Tigers, who are $2.30 outsiders. The Tigers have three and a half point start. I think the Tigers will get them. This is one of those games where it's like, who knows, mate? Like, the Tigers have been terrible. I'm tipping the Broncos. I think the Broncos will actually beat them in this game. I think if you have Payne Haas playing and Xavier Coates, and I think with Staggs and Tessie New back there and Jermaine Asako, their back line is starting to take a little bit of shape and a little bit more experience now some of these younger guys and i liked what i saw against the sharks they still had some of their flaws but they hung in hung in and once they got you know their confidence up and they they really started to play some good footy and they scored some good tries and um i think they've been i think the tigers have been a club under siege if they don't come out and win this game their season's basically over the tigers so if they can't get themselves up for this and get a result out of this, you know, I, they, I won't tip them the rest of the season. Their performance against Souths and Melbourne the last two weeks, or the last two games, have just been... No, I get it. I get that. I get that. But it's Souths and Melbourne, and there's a big gulf between the best teams in the comp and the rest. So you can't play the Broncos every week. So let's see. And I like Brody Croft back for the Bronx, to be honest, because I think he gives them sharpness out of... The halves, which they've been missing for most of the year when he hasn't Let's played. Let's see what so. comes out, but I'm going to tip the Tigers. I'm going Broncos this time. I think they'll bring a bit of grit to the game, and I think the, I, I think, I think the Tigers will bring it this game. Okay. Let's see what they got. Like, you've been hammered two weeks in a row. Are you going to be up for this game or not? It's top teams, right? And, and they've got to be up for this. This is a beatable, This is a winnable game for them. It is. The 6-15 game on the is Sunday Is this the night. game of the round? The game of the round. <laughs> Souths versus the Bulldogs. Oh, God. Souths are a dollar two favourites. Bulldogs are $12. The Bulldogs have 25 and a half points start. And it may not be enough if Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds get going and AJ. And if Latrell you, you, backs you up, lo- you, you're you love, You love saying that, don't you? Look at you. Big smile. You, just, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's like an unpleasant acupuncture needle. God, you're a weird unit sometimes. <laughs> Many needles everywhere. I mean, look, if this is a dry track and it's not is wet. Is that a dancer rain, in the background? Your house? <laughs> it is. It's, it's a hologram. 
Is that J.R.? It's a hologram. Yeah, it's a hologram. A J.R. hologram. Look, if it's a dry track... Gee, what's there to say? Are you seriously going to tip the Bulldogs over the bunnies? No! Are you kidding me? Like, if you're you in don't a tip competition... them when you're the favourites. We're never the favourites. We haven't been the favourites all year. To me, it's a matter of how much. I think the fact that they've got a 26-point head start is disgraceful in and of itself. I think if it's a dry track... T and the Rabbitohs get a little, you know, their fair share of possession. You know, it's going to be a 40, close to a 40. Yeah, 30, I, can see, 30 I can see Souths putting on 40 points. And then it's a case of how many do you score? Because the Souths don't have a great defence. So you might get, I could see something like 40 to 12 or 40 to 16 in this game. I, I would say probably something like 40 to 12 or so. So the line's just about right. It's about right. I, I hope it's not a 40-point win, but I'm expecting Souths to, to win by at least 30. Well, that brings us to the close of another G&T show. A quick one this week. There was only four games to review, and we've got Origin coming up and then a full round 18. All the games are being moved to Queensland. The comp's still going. Thank God for Peter Volandis. But everyone else who's listening to this in Sydney or in lockdown areas around the world, um, stay safe. And um, Hopefully you'll be okay. Yep, stay safe and be okay. Thanks for joining us again, G. And hang on, we'll I got a, I got a couple of questions for you first before we go. Okay. Final tomorrow, so this won't come out before. The, but final tomorrow, Euros, Definitely Italy or England? Won't come out. Italy. Italy. Okay. Italy. I'm, I think I, I think Italy will do it. I think Italy will win. It'll England be nice matches up better England against play. Italy than they did against Spain because they wouldn't have touched the ball against Spain. Uh, and I, you know, I, ironically, it'll be a very tight game because because. Gareth Southgate plays two pivots. He's really only attacking with Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane, so he's not committing enough players. No, ball. he's not. He's got yes. Sancho and Foden on the bench, which and Grealish, and he's got all this attacking potency, and he's not utilizing it. A- anyone else in the world would start with a would even if he wanted to play the double fi- pivot would go four two three one or a four three three, but that's not the way Gareth Southgate plays. So it's okay. They've made the final. They've had an easy draw, but um. I just don't know whether he's got enough balls. Is probably the right yeah, way to put yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guts, guts. I like enough bottle. Enough bottle. You got to go for the game. I agree with you. I think he's got to win this game because Italy's defense is so well drilled. Well, and it's not going to come to them. They're Italian, right? The Italians don't throw away finals, so it's not. It's not like they're going to stuff it up. You're going to have to win the game. You're going to have to win the game. They've got a great goalkeeper, good shots, great shot stopper, actually. And I just think you need a and little I can bit see, of that And magic. I can see Chiesa and Signe and those guys on the counter. They're going to, they're going to give Harry oh, Maguire... Oh, trouble. Yes. Yeah. Harry Maguire will time. have a bit of trouble. Yep. So he can be caught out because of lack of pace. And but but having said shaky. that, having said that, they have been very, very solid defensively, England. Very Kyle solid. Kyle Walker is lightning back there. Like, yep. the longer the game goes, that it's More tight. likely England might win. No, the more likely Italy will win, I reckon. The, the longer the game's... I think if England get, if England relax, if they get an early goal and they relax, then I could see them making it two. And then once it's two, I think it'll be hard for Italy to come back. I agree. I think the key to this game is England getting an early goal. And that's why I would play someone like Sancho, only because I think once then Italy starts to chase the game. I would play someone like Sancho anyway. He's a brilliant player. Yeah, he plays I for know. Borussia Dortmund. I He's... know. He's one of the best players in the Bundesliga, which Correct. kills me. The, 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 the German, the German um, analysis of the English team is... I can't believe Sancho's not starting. The Spanish analysis of the English team is I can't believe Phil Foden's not starting. Isn't that interesting? I don't understand either or. They're both great players with great skill and ability. And the way I see that game is, like you say, if they get an early goal, I think if Italy starts to chase the game and their lines start to stretch out and there's space, then you can expose the lack of pace in their back That's line. what I reckon. But that's 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 right. If you don't... I think I'm with you. I think the tighter it stays, I think England will struggle. The, um, Italy will sneak a goal, and I think they'll win the game. But it'll be yeah. interesting to see. And Ash Barty. Uh, I think it'll be a very tight, tight game. Ash Barty, that was brilliant. That was How so good. good was that? She got tight towards the end. Oh, she did. we won't yeah. talk about. Yeah. Yes. Second set tie break, and then the... And then the, the third set. I thought with a couple of breaks, a couple of breaks um, in the second set, and then she let both of them go, and then the, the tie well, break. Well, lost. Oh, I mean, she's got, she's got such a big serve, Pliskova, and she just made too many unforced errors. She really choked. She was just tight the whole game. She didn't get into her old game. So, but, but congratulations, 50 years since Yvonne Gulligan Crawley won. Can you believe that? The last time... But still brilliant. Still just amazing for, 
First Nations people, for Australians, and just she's such a humble, great representative. Go Ash Barty, love her. Oh, fantastic. Same as, same as me. I think it's awesome. And um, I guess the other thing I would say is how much of a Queenslander is her boyfriend? He was wearing a Liverpool awesome. hat, did you notice? A Liverpool hat, hair hanging out the sides. He had yeah. shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> She's, you know what, she's from Ipswich, but she's not a rugby league fan. That's surprising. She's that an AFL surprising. fan. She's a big Richmond Tigers fan. Actually, you know what, considering she's from Queensland, that's actually a surprise. Queenslanders love their rugby league. Well, they love their they sport, do. but they love their rugby league. Yeah. And you had shorts on, you had the filler shirt. It was just great. It's totally like casual, which is kind of cool. But that's what she's like, right? She's not yeah. really a chasing the spotlight type of person. But fantastic achievement. Like you say, it's awesome. For her and, yeah, Australian tennis. And for Australian tennis, that's right. Female Grand Slam champion. How good is that? It's amazing. It's amazing. Hopefully she wins the Australian Open as well. I hope so. That'll be be great. Yeah. All right. Any other questions? No, that's it. I will see you next week. That that, that brings us to the close of another G&T show. Thanks for joining us and thank you, G. See you, T. I will see you next week.